0: Thank you. (laughs) Hallelujah. You may be seated. Well, it's an honor to be here, to be able to be with my family, and my natural family is here as well, Uh, some, but most of it, well, part of it. I would say most of it, because they have the most kids, so, (laughs) but uh, just an honor to to be able to share the word with you today. Uh, God is good, and his word is true, Amen. This word is powerful. The Bible says it's, it's like a two-edged sword able to divide between joint and marrow, and, it's the, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. So today, let the, let the word of God, let the, the sword of the Spirit pierce through your heart. Let, let what God is saying, not not what I'm saying, but what God is saying through this. He's going to say something to everybody differently, but let God say what he wants to say to you today and to bring home uh his uh, and to apply it to your life. Amen? Amen. I gotta say, I just gotta say, <laughs> I have I'm usually up here playing guitar, and you know, we use these in-ear monitors, so you know, you don't, you, you kind of hear what the music sounds like, but you don't hear everything. Just being out there today, I mean, the, the praise and worship team, it just blew me away this morning. Amen? Did anybody, were you blessed by the worship today? The sound, at what everybody's doing up there, this whole team is just is just spot on, I, just, I was just so blessed to just be able to forget, forget about my guitar and just worship the Lord, so, so that, is a, that is a blessing. Well, today, we're going we're gonna to talk about a subject that yeah, you don't really hear a lot in churches, uh, too much, every now and then, but I don't hear an awful lot about this preached. We're going to talk about the subject of idolatry, okay? Idol, idol worship, idolatry, and it's called No Other God. And you can see there, recognizing and overcoming idolatry in our lives today. And you see the little uh, calf there, or cow, whatever it is. I kind of went back to the Exodus, you know, the whole story from the Ten Commandments uh, with Moses, he goes up on the mountain, and then he, uh, while he's up there, the, the children of Israel get a little bit impatient, got to get a lot impatient and they start putting the pressure on Aaron saying where is your brother he while he's up there god's probably killed him by now so we might as well make our own god and worship it down here because you know we got we got to have some reason that we were delivered that you know other than this this god that just is probably killing moses up on the mountain <laughs> and so they decided to to make this golden calf i'm going to read to you from the book of exodus chapter 32 and it says, now when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said, come make us gods that, we shall, that shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. And Aaron said to them, break off your golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and they brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Not Just a side note here, calf, it's not a, a baby cow in this, in this particular instance that that word calf actually means like a strong a three-year-old bull. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a symbol of strength. So when Aaron saw it, he, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. To the Lord? I mean, the, he, is it the Lord this calf now t- to them? So they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So here they are having a, having a party just a, I mean, there was a, I don't know if you remember the movie, The Ten Commandments, anybody remember the movie? Uh, I, I actually had a video clip that I wanted to show this, that scene with the golden calf, but for copyright things and on internet and stuff, I couldn't show it, but it was pretty cool. Uh, I thought it would have been, would have been nice to show, but, uh, but we had the, the picture of the calf, which is enough today. So, so this is, is the most famous example in the Bible that I can think of, of idolatry. There's a ton of more examples of idolatry. Throughout the Old Testament, people of Israel had a problem <laughs> with this. Um, so as I was looking through this kind of researching idolatry, just in general, I mean, this is, this is the most famo- famous biblical example, but in general, um, I found this, uh, this saying from Psychology Today magazine. And it said, anthropologists estimate that eight, at least 18,000 different gods, goddesses, and various animals or objects have been worshipped by humans since our species first appeared. 18,000. I mean, you had a god for every, every thought. <laughs> but since the beginning of time, and that was just a recent 2021 um, statement, so, there have been gods, you know you, the fact that there have been so many gods in in the world since the, the the world was created and since man was placed on the earth shows you that mankind has this need to worship Amen? they have this need to and and, and what it is is they're trying to make sense of life, you know you ever have trouble making sense of life and and we need something bigger, uh, something that is beyond us to help us make sense of life. And so all throughout history, mankind has, because they just can't figure out, why, why is this happening to me? Why am I here? Why did I get sick? Why did this happen? Why, you know, why, were the, why did the crops fail this year? So they had to have some other reason, some reason that, that was beyond them to try to explain all of these things that happened in life. And so they created gods. They created idols to worship, to, to pray to them for, for good harvest, to pray to them for, for healing, of sickness, to pray to them for fertility, uh, fertility and to have children. I mean, that, having a children was a blessing, and when you were barren, that was a bad thing back in, in the ancient times, to be barren. And so they would pray to gods. Now, the people of Israel, God had just delivered them, and this happened. Now, we look at that and we say how horrible these people are. They must have been. But you've got to remember that they had just come out of 400 years of bondage in Egypt. And that whole time, they were, they were exposed and acclimated to all kinds of gods, all the Egyptian gods. And this golden calf that, was, uh, that they built... Uh, theologians say that this was probably a, a, a god that they had seen in Egypt or seen somewhere else. And it was a, it was a god that represented strength. And because that, that strong god had delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians, they had to have this symbol of strength and, and power that delivered them. And, and all they could think of was a calf. This, this bull, this three-year-old bull. So, so why was this calf a bad idea? Let's go back 12 chapters to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. This is why it was a bad idea. Because while they were doing all this stuff, throwing their earrings in the fire, and you know, Aaron said, oh, i bet better put the earrings in, and, in into the fire and out jumped at this calf. You know, he, he was trying to make excuses for it. But, uh, but 12 chapters earlier, God was speaking to Moses on the mountain. God, in fact, had not killed Moses on the mountain, but God was writing the Ten Commandments with his very finger, and in one of these, he said, God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, golden calf, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not bow to, down to them or serve them. That covers just about everything, right? Right? other than God. So, so while they were doing this, and we all know the story, Moses came down and he saw what was going on and he ended up throwing the Ten Commandments on the ground. And, and people, there was a lot of people that died as a result of all of this idolatry and all of this revelry. And you know, they, I'm sure they were doing uh, things that were sinful in the midst of this big party. They were, they were sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. It doesn't really say what that is, but I'm sure it wasn't good. (laughs) So, idolatry was a serious problem for for God's people. And because of that, many times throughout the Old Testament, I've been reading through the Old Testament, and, and you see time after time after time again, A king would rise up, and he would he would do what was what was not pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. And they would go after idols, and they'd put up Asherah poles, and they would they would have high places where they sacrificed. Some of them were so bad they would sacrifice their own children to these gods. It was bad. So because of that, judgment came upon the people of Israel. Judgment, captivity. the The Babylonian Empire came in and took them away and took them captive, the, the Persian Empire. I mean, it, they were just, and, and the city of Jerusalem was just destroyed eventually. So, this is what idolatry did to the people of Israel. It's, not, it's, not a, it's a very serious thing, and we see by that scripture that God takes it very seriously. So, you might say, how is this relevant to me? I mean, does anybody have idols in their house? Please don't raise your hand. <laughs> you don't bow down to any idols in your house. or We don't worship golden calves and idols anymore, do we? No. No, it's kind of like, oh, that was, you know, that was ancient. That was ancient. But as you, can, as you go around the world, you can see that this type of idolatry is still in existence today in other countries, remote places, there, there's still that type of idol worship. But in America, in this, in this Western civilization that we're in, you don't really see a lot of this bowing down to gods, that type of thing. So, so how is this relevant to us today? But what it looks like today is, and, and we're going to look at, we're going to look at what idolatry looks like in America, what it looks like in our, our lives, and we're going to see that is still very relevant. And we're going to look at the purpose of it, what is the purpose of idolatry? And I know the enemy is behind that, but it's still very alive and well. We just have to recognize it, and that's what we're going to look at today. And then we're going to talk about how to eliminate the, these idols from our lives. Does that sound like a good thing? All right. So let's move. Let's move on. I'm going to define idolatry. What is idolatry? And this uh, this is a definition. I read a lot of definitions, um, and. Uh, After reading a lot of them, the consensus is this in in our modern day, an idol is anything that we want more than God, anything we rely on or turn to more than God, anything we look to for greater fulfillment than God. I I took a quote from a a book called Counterfeit Gods. Tim Keller says, it's the next slide, Cheryl. What is an idol? It's simply anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you, only what God can give. So as we can see, idolatry goes beyond the physical worship of God. Anything in our lives that we place at a higher level or importance to God, we can consider an idol. How many think that would cover a really huge amount of ground So, we could see now that idolatry is not so much an outward manifestation of bowing down and worshiping, but idolatry today is a matter of our heart. It happens inwardly. And it's, as we see here, it's anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything that you seek to give you, what only God can give. So... We do have to recognize one thing about idolatry and that where does it come from? Why is it here? Because the enemy, Satan, is behind it. He's behind all idolatry. And the reason reason for it is that he himself wants to be worshipped. Satan himself wants to be worshipped. So I think we go to the next slide. Isaiah 14, we can see here, uh, you can see here Satan's desire from the beginning to be worshipped. This is talking about him. He was called Lucifer. He was an archangel in heaven, and he was in he was in heaven. He was a praise and worship leader in heaven. He had instruments and things out that came out of his body, and he was beautiful. And he was he was a he he lifted up the high praises of heaven to the Lord. But it says, "How have you how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer?" Son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. This pride, this arrogance, this, he sees his own beauty and he, and he gets so caught up in his own beauty that, that he, he, he decides, hey, I'm pretty special. You know, all of heaven bows down to worship when I, when I play my instruments, when I lead worship. And he thought more highly of himself than he ought to think. And he decided that he wanted to be God. He wanted to the throne of heaven instead of the Lord. So we see that his desire right here to be worshiped is, is revealed in this. Also in Matthew 4, starting verse 8. He, he even tried to get Jesus to worship him. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, it says again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down. And what? Worship me. Satan wanted Jesus. Do you know what that would have meant? Jesus was God. He was God in the flesh. Now he's trying to get God in the flesh to worship him and that he would have what he wanted all along when he was Lucifer. But Jesus said, Away with you, Satan, for it is is written, What? You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So Jesus just put him down. He said that, you know, he used the Word of God, and, and it was from the commandments that he said, this is what the Word says. You we, are we to worship only God. If the devil can't get us to worship him, because okay, none of us are going to, you know, how many here, Well, I'm not going to ask that question, <laughs> but we're not going to, to see the devil and just bow down and worship him, right? No no, no no, Christian would do that. There might be people in the world that, I mean, there are Satanists that do that, but, but Christians, born-again Christians, church-going, spirit-filled Christians are not going to bow down and and worship the devil. Amen? Thank you. (laughs) So, if he can't get us to worship him, he's going to do the next best thing, and he's going to try to keep us from worshiping God. And this, this is where the idols start to come in. And so, how does he do that? Think about it. How does how does the devil keep us from wor- worshiping God? There are distractions that he throws at us. There are problems that he throws at us. Uh, and, and all the things in life that happen and they get us, you know, off track here, to focus here, to focus here, to focus here. And if there's enough things going on and we got our attention divided enough between all the things that are going on in our life, we can forget that God with us he's right there and and we we tend to and the enemy tries to get us to focus on all of those things and to worship not to worship them but to be so worried and anxious that we forget to include God God wants to be included in all your problems did you know that you got issues at work you got issues in your family you got problems in, in your mind your emotions all hell's breaking loose, you know. Don't we can't focus on those things and and be and be committed to God and to be when we look to God, He will help us with all those things. But we have to look to Him. We have to look to Him. We have to include Him. As soon as things happen in your life, to begin to say, Lord, I know this is. This is happening in my life, but I, I give it to you, God. I, I, just, I just offer it up to you, Lord. I, I cast all of my care about this op- upon you. And when you start to include, do you realize when you start to do that and start to include God and, and get your focus off of those things that are going on and you give it to God, you're actually worshiping him because he's capturing your attention. He's capturing attention your thoughts and your imagination. You're not imagining the worst. You're imagining the best because God has the best for you. Amen. Thank you Jesus. So, these distractions are not necessarily bad. I mean, we all have things in life we have to deal with. You know, and, and, and there's a lot of good things in life that we can focus on. And you know, and in our hearts because Jesus is there, we want you know, we want to focus on the good things. We want to take care of, of our family. We want, to, we want to work so we can provide for our family. We want, we want to, uh, you know, be kind and nice and, and, and to uh, love people as he loves us. Amen? But sometimes when those get so jumbled up in your mind and you begin to forget God, even those, all those good things that we have to deal with in life, really they're, they're amoral, they're not... They're not bad, they're not good, they're just in the middle, and they, they can be made bad or they can be made good, depending on how you deal with them. Those things start to take the preeminence in our lives. Anybody ever hear that word before, preeminence? <laughs> Pastor Jeff's been, been teaching about this, and, and the fear of the Lord and, and, and overcoming temptation. He's been using this word preeminent, and we can give those things that we're dealing with preeminence and they can actually become an idol in our heart. And they can get us off track. And they, they slow us down. And they, they keep us from looking to God. They keep us from looking to him for our, for our everything. So in a nutshell, I'll just say it this way. Anything can become an idol in our lives if we elevate it to a higher importance than God okay now let 's look, look at a few there's a lot I just picked I picked five different things here, six different things that can potentially become idols and please if, if you have a problem with any of these things there 's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus you know we 're all in different places. I can put myself in at least three of these or four but uh, but there's no condemnation to Christ and that 's what that's what the forgiveness and the grace of God is for. You know, he's teaching us today. He's going to open our eyes to see, oh, wow, you know, this thing, this thing is hindering me from, from being closer to God. So, and then he gives us the grace to forgive us and to give us the power to rise above it and to eliminate it from our life. So, the first thing I have down here is identity. You know, we hear a lot about identity today, right? What do you identify <laughs> as you know, but identity really is how you see yourself, how you see yourself. And when when we see ourselves a certain way that does not line up with the way God sees us, that can become an idol in our life. God has defined, God has defined who we are. It's in his word. Did you know that? You don't define who you are you may feel a certain way, but you don't define who you are. You could feel like anything on any given day. I can identify as anything. But and it will be like this, up and down. You know, it'll be different every day, depending on, on how my emotions are controlling me in, in any given moment. So God defines who we are and he reveals it in his word. It's in his word, the Bible. To see or believe anything else is a form of idolatry. But this is the good news because our identity in Christ provides for salvation, forgiveness, healing, victory, abundant supply, peace, joy, and the blessings of God. How many like that? That's your identity. Don't lower yourself. Don't lower yourself under and to, and to believe what the devil wants to tell you who, who you are. You are what God says you are. It. That's it. If you're a, a child of God and a born-again believer, you are what God says that you are. And the devil tries to get us to believe a lie and believe something different, something, some, that we're something less than that. Oh, I'm just a nasty old sinner. Oh, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Let's go eat some worms. You know, the, the old thing. But no, lift up your head. Look to God. Look to the word and believe that what he said is true. Believe that what he said you are. And you're gonna de- you'll destroy that idol, that idol of identity. You know, and people fall into this. The world falls into this. But we as a church can fall into it as well. And and I just want to mention that I've seen out in the in the lobby, there's this brochure, and every week I look and there's still the same number in there, as there was the week before. It's called "Who I Am in Christ." If you're struggling with this your identity and you want to know what the Word of God says about you, there's brochures and are they out there still? I've, I've seen them. If you're not, we'll get them to you. It says "Who I Am in Christ," and there are scriptures after scripture after scripture after scripture what the Bible says about you, so you don't have to be a slave or, or worship an idol called, of called identity. Here's another thing. Money, obviously, we all know that can be an idol. Material things, our career, our job, anything that we put before God is an idol, and this is one of the biggest things in our society right now, and even Christians fall into this uh, very, it's very easy, especially when you're struggling financially, and you need to pay the bills, and you know, things are piling up. I mean, it's very easy to begin to trust and to think, okay, how do I, how do I work this out? Uh, I got to work, I got to work another job, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, and, but if you're not including God in that process, God, do you want me to work another job, Lord? Is there a source of income that I'm not seeing here? Give, you, you give me wisdom, Lord. Give me wisdom on how to, to the Bible says that he, he gives us wisdom to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant on the earth. So, Lord, give us wisdom. What should we do? Because if we get running off and doing all kinds of things, next thing you know, this money, this this issue of, of, of supply is going to become an idol in your life. And it's going to hinder you from, it'll actually hinder you from from fixing the problem where God has the answer and how to fix the problem. How many know physical appearance can be, can be an idol? Like Pastor Jeremy said this morning, he said, you know, we all got up and you know, we decided what we're going to wear. We want to look good for church or, or maybe some people don't care. But <laughs> you know, we try to look our best when we're, when we're in, in public. But billions of dollars are spent every year to make us more attractive to others and to ourselves. Because, you know, before we get out and other people see us, we have to stand in front of a mirror, right? And, you know, guys, maybe guys aren't so much into that, but, you know, the, the ladies, you know, ah, I, look, I, I'm going to tell them my wife. <laughs> she she changed like four different times this morning. I don't know if I like this. Mm, you know, Do these shoes go? And I'm like, you're asking me? What do I know? <laughs> That's good enough. Yeah, just wear that. <laughs> but Kim, it's not an idol in your life. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> but physical appearance, it's all about self-image. And it actually kind of goes back to identity as well. It's all about self-image and being accepted or liked. You know, when we dress a certain way, you know, they say clothes makes the man. You know, back, old men used to wear suits and, you know, and, and the, the sharper you dressed, man, I tell you, that projects an image. To the world, you know, ladies dress a certain way. Why? Because you want, you, well, they, you'll say to yourself, I just, it just makes me feel good to, when, I'm, when I'm dressed up. I go, but but in reality, we don't think about it, but we don't want to be caught, you know, without our makeup on <laughs> in public or with our hair all, you know, first thing in the morning. And that's how you know what true love is because, because when a husband and wife wake up in the morning, you know, that's, that's the real you. <laughs> you know? And if you, if you look at them and say, you're still beautiful to me, you're still, you know, you're still handsome to me, then, then you know you really love them. So. But physical appearance is, is a huge thing. But we are made in the image of God. Right? How much better looking can you get than being made in the image of God? You know, may not be on the outside. And even when your hair is all ratty and you, you got no makeup on and your t- clothes are torn and you smell bad, <laughs> you're still made in the image of God. And you're just as loved and just as accepted and just as beautiful to God because you're made in his image. Isn't that great? Isn't it? See, see yourself that way. I mean, please, ladies, still put on your makeup and, you know, wear nice clothes, you know. For the for your husbands, <laughs> but but that's the truth. That is the truth that we are made in God's image. Uh, here's one: sports. Do you know sports can become an idol? You ever see fifty thousand fans in a stadium starting today's opening Sunday for football, pro football? There's gonna be fifty thousand stand people in the stands, worshiping their team, <laughs> painting their bodies. Wearing weird clothes, screaming and yelling. And, and, and it, it kind of reminds me of the people, children of Israel dancing around the golden calf, you know. And I'm not getting you know, down because it's okay to support your team. Again, a good thing. But if you go too far, then it becomes an ultimate thing in your life. And that's all you care about, then there's a problem there in, in the realm of idolatry. We, pa- <laughs> here's what, here's I, I don't want to say this, but I will. What game or competition is worth neglecting our worship and service to God? It's a game, guys and ladies. It's a game. It's a competition. It's something we play. But we've made a, we've made a God out of it and paid people multiple millions of dollars to do it. But people buy into the lie, and they make that more important than God. <laughs> We pack stadiums and cheer on Sunday while churches experience empty seats and non-enthusiastic worshipers. You know, think, just think about that. Let it lie. I, I, could, I could feel the heat rising in the room. <laughs> Don't mess with my sports. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Sex. God made sex good. You know? That's why there's over 7 billion people on the planet. Think of it that way. God made sex good. We can talk about this in church, right? And it is a wonderful thing within the holy confines of marriage relationship between a man and a woman. That's how God defines marriage. That's how God has sanctified and made sexual relations holy. And when we are within that, to, to offer ourselves only to our spouse. That we are honoring God in that, in that particular area and worshiping Him. how are we worship we're worshiping Him by not, not going outside of that parameter that He has established. And when you do that, it's, it's holy, it's honorable, and God honors that and will bless your marriage because of it. Any other expression, any other expression, say any other expression of that is sinful and idolatrous in God's eyes last one here we go entertainment phones technology social media information is the the new drug of choice on our planet technology in every form is easy and convenient way to occupy our time that's what we do we occupy our time you know you go into a doctor's office you go into the grocery store You know, oh, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. (laughs) They'll run right into you because they can't get their faces out of the phone. Right? You got the FaceTime, we got everything. The only face, we need to be doing a lot more FaceTime with God, seeking his face instead of the FaceTime on our phones. And you know what? And there's a category that I can humbly, or humbly, or however you want to say it, put myself in that category, because it can get you. Yeah, you know, it, it is just so, oh, wow. Oh, look, I got, an, I got a notification. Oh. oh, they didn't like it? Uh, maybe somebody likes something on Instagram I put up. Okay. <laughs> and we can go, and you could spend hours, literally hours and hours and hours scrolling, reel after reel after reel after reel. And... Do you, but do you remember what Pastor Jeff challenged us to do? a while ago he said every time you get that urge to pick up that phone before you look at it give time to god first that that is i think is an excellent way to begin to break the cycle of this this it's a, an addiction it really is an addiction so all of these things can be good if we keep God at the center of them. But when we forget to honor God in these everyday things, they can become ultimate things. And consequently, idols. So can you see that? Can you see what I'm saying here? How a good thing can become an idol, but only if it's under, the, under God will it be kept in check and not get to that point. So what's the purpose of idolatry? Satan's warfare strategy is to take our focus off of God and keep us weak and ineffective as Christians. The Bible says that Christ has defeated the devil and that we have all authority over him. Let's, let's look at a few scriptures that, that verifies that. Colossians 2.15, Having disarmed principalities and powers, He, and this is Jesus, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And the it is the cross. In the cross, he disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, and he triumphed over them in it. Luke 10, 19. I love this scripture. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. How many are glad for that? 1 John 4, you are of God little children, that's you and me, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, and who is in the worlds. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world, he's the God of this world system here down on the earth. So we have we have the greater one living within us, and we can overcome the devil in him. 1 John 5. Because everyone, say everyone, everyone, is that you? Are you an everyone? Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Hallelujah. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Hallelujah. Now, but let me ask you a question. If if Satan has been defeated by Jesus, and Jesus has given us all this authority over him, Why is he still messing with us? Why is he still able to get us off? Why is he still able to make us depressed? Why is he still able to to make us angry all the time? Why is he still able to to do the things that he does in our life to get us off track and to rob the peace, the joy, the love, and all the fruit of the spirit that he wants to be in us? How does the devil get in and get it and steal it away from us? I'm glad you asked that. Because I think a, a key to this is found in, Ma, in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 15. We're, we're familiar with this parable. It's the parable of the, some call it the parable of the sower, um, but some call it the parable of the soils. And I like that better because I really think this, is, this parable is more about the soil and the ground than it is about the sower. This, we know the sower is Jesus But he talks about the different types of ground that the sower, who is Jesus, sows the seed, which is the word of God. So anyway, picking up there. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have any deep roots, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have problems. We've been talking about that, problems. Or they're persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by what? The worries of life, the lure of wealth, we've talked about a couple of these, and the desire for other things. What is an idol? It's anything that we want more than God. And it comes in the thorns. So, where was I? Oh, there we go. So, no fruit is produced. And this is what we're getting at here, the fruit. But the seed, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100-fold times as much as has been promised. How many want to be that last one? <laughs> Amen. We all want to be that. But, you know, it's, t- it's tough because the enemy is right there sowing those things that are trying to distract us from going to God with everything. So I look at this parable, and, you know, you can look at the grounds. But one of the other things I saw was this shows that the potential that the seed has is, is, is the same. For every ground, right? It's, it's the seed. It's the word of God. The potential, the power, whatever it, it's going to produce is the same, whether it's sown on the wayside, whether it's sown on rocky ground, whether it's sown among the thorns, or sown in good ground. The, all that, the thing that determines what is going to happen with the seed is the ground. Right? Can You see that? So, so we have to, to look at the ground. And when I saw this, I said, I, said the, the belie- I believe that the majority of church-going born-again Christians, how many of those do we have in here? All right. If you're not, we can take care of that, la- that last one <laughs> at the end of service. Uh, I think most born-again believers who come to church, who are faithful, I think we vacillate between the third and the fourth, between the thorns and the good ground. Uh, we plant the word in our hearts and we're trying to, do, to live devoted to God, but we get distracted by the cares and worries and problems of life. Those things that we're, you know, we're, we're starting to identify as idols, because of the things that we're putting above God or the things that we're not including God in become idols. So we get sidetracked by that. we got problems at work, problems at the, at the job, problems with the kids, problems with the family. Problems with all your crazy relatives. <laughs> we've got problems everywhere. We've got, we've got emotional turmoil. And, and the list goes on and on and on. These things that, when they're left unchecked, and what I mean by unchecked is when we don't do anything about those things when they're happening to turn them back to the Lord, there's a, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between us and God. And when that happens... That those thorns, things that we're talking about—the cares and the worries and distractions—those thorns. What does it say in the scripture? Choke out the word. They choke, choke it, and they make it unfruitful. So you're wondering, you know, man, I just, you know, I'm having problems in my 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 faith with God, and you know, I, I feel lost. I feel, you're being choked. You're being choked. The word that's going in you is being choked because we're not turning back to God and we're giving, giving those things that are choking us to him. And really, because they're idols, there's, there's an act of repentance that has to take place when we recognize it to repent of those things. And repentance isn't just, sorry, Lord. You know. Repentance is, you're going this way into all these cares and concerns. Now, you're going this way. You turn into the Lord. And, and what do you do? What happens automatically when you turn away from those things and you turn to God? What happens automatically? You don't, you don't see those things anymore. You're not looking at those things anymore. And that's the path. That's the path to overcoming all of these distractions and all these things that we deal with in life. The path is repentance, to turn from it and to turn towards God. And he, he those things will just be taken care of. And the more you do it, and that's the key. Well, we, here's us. We're like, we're like a revolving door, you know. We're cares and worries and concerns. Jesus, I love you, I love you. Cares and worries and concerns. Jesus, oh God, help me, help me, help me. You know, and that's the way a lot of our, our life, I know it's been, I speak for myself, that happens a lot. you know, Because the enemy is there. And he's deceiving. That's the only power he has, you know. He's not making us do these things. He just presents them. And as Pastor Jeff was teaching about temptations, that we're enticed, we're drawn away, or we're provoked to go after those things. Now, he used it in context of of overcoming temptation and sin, but idolatry is right in the middle of that whole thing. So, how do we overcome these idols? How do we overcome? How, How would you think, knowing that you have thorns... In your, in your ground, how would you think that anybody brave? How would you overcome? How would you get rid of those thorns? I'll, t- I'll say it that way. What? Pruning? Pruning? Yeah. I said, we got to do some serious weeding <laughs> in our lives. And I'll tell you what. I am still on a high from yesterday because we were all there. And we did some serious landscaping around this building Pastor Jeremy's already alluded to that. But as we're doing it, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, wow. If you saw it before, you remember what it was like before? Yeah. You remember the weeds and you didn't know what was rocks and so you didn't know what was plants. It was all mixed together, right? But now you go out there and you say, oh, oh, there's a, that's a plant. <laughs> that's Oh, yeah. And it looks beautiful. It looks amazing out there because we did the work. How many, how many guys here were there? Did, was that work? <laughs> I mean, we had 24 tons of stone over here that we had to move with wheelbarrows around the whole building and then digging up the ground, digging up the old, the weeds and the old rocks. We did all of that to prepare the, the ground and we put the paper down and then put the stones on top of it. But now you look at it and after all that work, it's beautiful. You know how beautiful we can look? If we would just do the work, if we would just do the work of getting into the Word of God, do the work of, of, of being in the presence of God, of worshiping Him, doing the work of, of, of just uh, praying in, 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 in the Holy Spirit and praying with our understanding. If we do the work and we continue, and then when we see those things, those distractions and burdens in our life come up, just turn from them and say, Lord, I give this to you. This is of the devil. This is not of you, God. This is not of you. But we're letting the devil sow these thorns and these weeds and, and the things. And we don't know what's, what's a plant and what's not a plant. We don't know what's a good plant or a weed sometimes in our life because we've got so much mixed in there. But God says, hey, let's get to work. He gives you a shovel. He gives you, he gives you a garden rake. And he says, come on. Let's go, church. Let's go. Let's start to do some weeding. And he'll do it. We did, it, we did this in sections, one section at a time. You know, we made this one section. That one, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, well, now we've got to do this section over here. So we'd do that section, and then we'd go around, and we did section after section until it was all done. And then we could stand back and go, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> Take one thing, one thing that you are de- identify as an idol in your life this week and start weeding. You, don't, you can't do it all at once. When I came here and I saw this, I'm like, we're never going to get this done. There's no way we're going to finish this job. But we all stayed focused, and we worked hard, and God did a miracle. I, it is. You talk about miracles this morning. It was a miracle. We did all of that in three hours with 20 guys. It would take a landscaping company a week to do all that, so they could charge you more money, obviously. But... <laughs> But we got it done, and, and I tell you, I, I'm, I'm really proud of what the guys did here. But that's what we have to do. We have to do some serious weeding in our lives. 1 P- Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting the whole of your care, and this is the amplified version, so it kind of expounds on what your care is all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all, on him. Why? Because he cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. Casting our cares. This is, this is weeding. This is weeding that we have to do in our lives and and the reason that we're going to do it is because we can trust God with it. Right? Why? Cuz he cares for us. He loves us affectionately. And he cares about you watchfully. What what does that mean? He's watching you. He's always watching you. He's always even when you sleep, when you're out, when, you, when, you, when you're having a meltdown, a breakdown, when you've when you, you got all this stuff going on all around in your life at work and in, at the house, and, and you're like, ah, Calgon, take me away. I don't know if you, that's an old commercial. The younger people won't remember that. God is watching you. He's right there. He wants to, he wants to hey, invite me into that. Listen, invite me into that, that part of your life. Don't don't shut me out. I'm here. I'm here to I'm here to care for you affectionately and to and to care about you watchfully and to help you through the situation, to help you not only endure it, which we do many times. We have to endure hardships in our life and that's that is part of the Christian walk. But when you are enduring the hardships and with God is there with you, you can do anything. Right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I remember Shelby used, used that in her, uh, her offering message. Was that I can do all. And she said, what did she say? She said, let's look at the, I like to read all around the scripture. And, I, and, I'm, and I, when she said that, I thought, from my Bible interpretation class, that that's a, that is a biblical interpretation principle. You read the scripture in context. You don't just pull a scripture out and say, if you did that, you could say, you, you pick one out and says, Oh, it says here Judas hanged himself and then go somewhere else and say, It says, go and do likewise. You know, <laughs> when you take scriptures out of context, you can get into trouble. But you read all around it, and I appreciated when she said that. And that's exactly right. What was Paul said, I, I can do all things through Christ. What things? I can live in abundance, I can live in lack. I can live in the sea for three days, I can, I can live being bitten by a, a fiery serpent, I can go without, I can have an abundance, but he was always like this, you know, trial, tribulation, stonings, beatings, somebody gave him, took him into his house, gave him, gave him provision, a lot of money, comfort, clothed him, oh, here we go again, another stoning, another beating, but did he do this? Did he go up and down and up and down? No. He was the same. Because when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we keep our eyes on God through everything that we face in life. This is, this is the goal. This is what God wants for you, for you to just be, whatever, Lord, I, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. God, thank you for that, for that raise. Thank you for that gift that somebody just gave me to provide for that bill. Lord, uh, I know I'm, I'm struggling right now, but God, I know you're faithful. You know, and you stay on an even keel, and you don't, you're not up and down. You're constantly involving God in everything, and that is worshiping God. That's part of worshiping God, is not to give in to those things, but to give them to God. Amen? We look at Proverbs chapter 4. We have to be diligent to guard our hearts from the thorns that the enemy wants to sow. Amen? Have we seen that? By feeding on the word of God and keeping our thoughts, attitudes, words, and actions in line with it. And in Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your heart. Above all else, for out of it determines the course of your life. Hallelujah. When we know our enemy, see, now we've learned today how he operates, right? The only power he has over us is deception and distraction. He's not, he's been defeated by Jesus. And Jesus has given us the authority over him and the victory over him in our lives. So the only power he has over us is deception and distraction. But he's, he's been doing it for so long, he's masterful. Masterful at getting us off. Because when, our, when he gets somebody, the Bible says he roams around like a roaring lion, right? Seeking whom he may devour. That, that means he can't devour everybody. He can only devour those that he may. And the ones that he may... Are the ones that are, oh, that guy, that one's not, he's not even praying. He's not even, he hasn't read his word in, in a month. He's, he's going for the weak. They go for the weak. They separate out the weak, the devil does, and that's how he devours us. And the Bible says that all his teeth have been knocked out. Maybe some of you have heard this before. So the only way that he can, he can devour, that, that the word devour in the Greek actually means drink down, Drink down. Think about that. You know, you've, heard, you've seen pureed food, right? They give it to people who have problems with their teeth or the elderly. Uh, or it's, it's pureed. It's all the meat and everything. <laughs> and a magic bullet or whatever you use. <laughs> and you, you puree it down and you drink it down. That's what the devil does to those that he, he finds that, oh, I, I can devour that one. He breaks you down and he breaks you down and he breaks you down until you're pureed. Because he doesn't have any teeth to, to tear you apart, he wears you down. He can't drink you down, he can't devour you unless you put yourself in a position where you've been pureed. <laughs> I guess it's the only word I could think. But then he just says, uh, "They're done. They've been in the blender long enough." And then he drinks. He drinks you. And he devours. And he's devoured millions of Christians. Millions of Christians over the over the centuries, this using this one tactic. And why does he use it? Because it, it works. Exactly. Because it works. So, I want all of us to know the fullness of the blessings of God, the fullness of the Spirit of God in our lives. And... I want to walk in the joy and the peace that he has for me to walk. I and want, I want to just know his presence wherever I go. And when we are walking in step with him, when we're walking in step with God and we're doing the things that are that uh, are helping us to, to, to weed out all of the, the garbage that's been holding us back, when we start to do that, we're going to see a freedom, a freedom in the spirit like we never have Seen before. We're going to see the blessings of God come, but you know it's not going to be like blessings. Are, oh God, I'm blessed. I'm blessed now. I'll just relax. You know, I got the blessings. I got this covered. God, no, because that then you're going to do this, and then you're going to go down. The next time the devil brings something that isn't so good your way, God wants us to be blessed. He wants us. He wants to be involved in our lives. He wants our relationship with Him to flourish. And, but it's up to us. We have to take the responsibility to get into the Word, to spend time with God, to spend time in prayer, to, to do what the Bible sh- shows us to do that produces a blessing in our life. And you can only know that if you're in the Word. If you're not in the Word, you're not going to know what to do for the blessings of God. We have to change that. Because I know God loves you so much. God loves you so much. He loves you. He loves, that. He loves all of us so much. that He wants nothing but the best for us. And I, and I think that because God has been showing me this in my life, I, I've noticed a difference. I've started doing some weeding and some gardening, and I'm, I'm already seeing a tremendous difference in, in just my, my awareness of God even in the midst of trial and turmoil, I, I, it's almost like, oh, God, I know you're with me. <laughs> thank you, Lord. You love me. You love me. You sent Jesus for me. You know, it's amazing with just a simple little prayer, simple little God, thank you. God, I know this is really bad, God, <laughs> but the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just wanted to share just a just a personal testimony with you of what God has done in my life. Don't put that up yet, Cheryl. Please take that off. Thank you. Just, there you go. Um, after I, after we left the church here back in two thousand four you know we we did various things and i I'll, I'll admit i got off i lost my my joy i lost my connection I, I i i and i started to go after things that i thought would be fulfilling to me that i thought would would you know because i i was experiencing so much of this turmoil you know the devil was starting to wear me down and break me down because he wanted to drink me <laughs> and so i thought this is horrible. So, so being a musician, I started to, uh, I started, to, I got my guitar and I, I started learning all these songs, you know, secular songs from the 70s and 80s and, and built up a repertoire. And I, and I started playing out, playing out music in local venues here around central New York. And, um, and it became really like a part-time job for me. You know, I made money doing it. But I started going after that, and because I thought, well, I started remembering back some things in my life where, you know, I've always wanted to do this, but I never did it. I'm going to do it. So, so I started going for it, and I started doing it, and I and I played out for probably 10 years. Um, I I even joined a a country band. Bob and, oh, okay. <laughs> Please don't woo, because it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> Linda and Bob originally know about that. They kind of followed the band around. Uh, in two year, for two years, I was in it. And after doing that for a while, there was this great dissatisfaction came into my heart. And I began to, you know, God got through. How many know God's merciful? God's gracious. God's he's a redeemer. And I started being dissatisfied with it. And and it was almost like God was saying, "What are you doing? What are you doing? I, I I gave you this gift to use for me. But now you're using it for yourself and for people who don't even know the Lord." You're not playing praise and worship out at this bar. <laughs> you're you're playing, uh, you know, tequila sunrise or whatever song. <laughs> and so, I began to wake up. I began to start get. I began to get back into word to the word. I began to seek the Lord because because I thought, you know, because I had, you know, and with all of that came things that I'm not proud of. You know, because the devil was. Using me, I, I was worshiping an idol. An idol. What I thought would bring me satisfaction more than God. What brought me money, and I loved the money because it was, you know, enabling us to do a bunch of things, other than just my job. And so I got I got caught up in this and for many years. And then God broke through. Amen? Finally broke through. About four or five years ago, I said, you know, I got to get out of this. And so I started taking, I was doing praise and worship at the the other church that we went to and began doing more and got more involved and got reconnected to God. And and through that whole process, and it's a long story, (laughs) God brought us back here. Full circle. And and God is not done with me. He's got a great plan for my life. I I believe the last part of my life is going to be the greatest and most fruitful, productive part of my life. Than the first so many years, I won't tell you how many. (laughs) (laughs) But he has that for you, too. He has that for you, too. Don't give up. You think you've gone too far. You haven't gone too far. The grace of the Lord and the forgiveness of God is greater than anything that we can imagine. And his love and his mercy endures, what? Forever. Just turn to him. Turn. Begin to turn away from those weeds and the thorns that are choking out the life of God. Just take the step. Turn towards the Lord. Day by day, day by day. I love the, I love the Alcoholics Anonymous uh, slogan, you know, was it day, one day at a time, one day at a time, do it, turn away from those things and turn back to the Lord, sorry, I didn't take that time, but, but I thought that was important, to be uh, honest with you guys, um, so in conclusion, and I, I look at the conclusion as not the conclusion, but it's the application How we we apply all of this stuff. Identifying and overcoming the oh so subtle idols in our lives is difficult. But the rewards are great. The rewards are great. Not only will we we experience a higher dimension of God's presence and blessing, but we will find that freedom that I was telling you about that we never even knew possible. As we seek the Lord first... We give him, what, preeminence over all of the things that we're going through in life. And we find that he has all that we could ever need. And we will be abundantly supplied by our, our Father who art in heaven. Right? We've been learning about that. Who loves us with an everlasting, unconditional love. Unconditional yeah, we're all messed up, all of us. We're cracked pots, as it were. <laughs> but we have a God that loves us unconditionally. And, and I said it in my last message, but to know Him is to love Him. As we draw ever nearer to God, He will draw near to us and help us purge every distracting idol from our lives. The ground of our hearts will be rich and fertile, and we will bear much fruit in our own lives and for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And you know, this is not just for us. It is also for the thousands of other people who are out there who will die without knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It starts for us, but then it has to go from us To the world, and you can put that up now, Cheryl. I just I looked this up, and this this just blew my mind. According to World Population Review, how many people die each day in 2023? And here it is: the world world death rate. And you can see deaths per day, deaths per hour, deaths per minute, deaths per second. One point nine three. deaths per second. It's about two people. Every time I snap my fingers somebody's dying and are they going to heaven? We don't know. I'm sure some are going to heaven but some are, be- are lost. I wonder if they're lost because we didn't overcome the idols in our own lives and we couldn't get out of our own Situations and cares of the world, and get victory over those things, so that we could minister to somebody at the grocery store or the person who sits in the cubicle next to us at work. Two, four. That's, that blows my mind. And so, I'm, I'm sorry I brought it back to a sober reality here, but this is the truth. This is not just about us. This is not just about what God wants to do in us and how he wants to set us free. He wants to set us free before a purpose. What's the purpose? To fulfill the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, proclaiming that this is the day of salvation and, and drawing them in. Some of these idols in our lives keep us from sharing the gospel because, because we're afraid. We, we don't want to look bad. We, we, we don't want to be considered a Jesus freak. We, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we don't share because we're afraid. We, we're not smart enough. We have to trust the Holy Spirit. Sometimes on, on, uh, the only thing a person needs to hear is, you know, I just want you to know Jesus cares about you and loves you. I've heard Pastor Jeff, you know, praying for waitresses, and they break down in tears. Can we pray for you? Wow, how hard is that? And they break down in tears, and they start opening up about their life. And you're able to plant some seeds of the Word of God. Amen. And it's awesome. And when that happens to you, there's an excitement. I want to do it again. That was great. I want to do it again. And then you go back and you weed and you some more and you weed some more and you get free so that no matter wh- whether they reject you or accept you or you get them saved or they, they throw something at you, you're this, you're constant. You're constant because your eyes are on Jesus. Your eyes are on the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, help us today to see the areas in our lives where we have put other things ahead of you, even making idols out of the good things that you have blessed us with. We know that everything comes from you, and there's nothing else that we could desire that could ever compare to having you. We choose right now, Lord. We choose to give you the preeminence in our lives, and to glorify you by bearing an abundant harvest for your kingdom. Give us the desire to purge every weed that chokes and every thorn that distracts us from the greater purpose that you've created us for. We choose right now to repent. And remember what we said, to turn away from the things that you're revealing to us. This is a very personal thing that have kept us from knowing you more intimately. Thank you for your grace and love that purges and cleanses us. And we thank you and praise you for the power to change and to live our lives in a way that will honor you in all things. In Jesus' name. If you're you're here today, amen. If you're here today, maybe, maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe all of this is foreign to you. Maybe you're you know, I don't worship idols, but, but you would never come to this personal knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except th- through me. We've tried all different ways. We've tried every different way. I tried all different ways, but the only way To be saved, the only way to have that connection with God where you can live that life of abundance is through Jesus Christ. And if you've never asked the Lord to forgive you, to cleanse you, and asked him to come into your life, today is the day. The Bible says now, 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 is the, this is the day. Now is the time of salvation. Don't let it wait, because as you see, every day, people are gone. Completely healthy people, marathon runners, so addicted to exercise, drop dead of heart attacks. No one saw it coming. Athletes, too. The prime of their career, making millions of dollars, gone. And I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I, I want you to realize that that the next day is not guaranteed. So today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day for you to do that. Because when you do that, you will be with God forever, and for all eternity, by accepting Him. So I'm going to ask, if you feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit, you feel a nervousness, I I want to do that, but I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Just let it all go. Give it to God and let it go right now. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand if that's you. One, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Two, I want to live a different life. I want to have an abundant life, a life that God has for me. And three, God Save my life right now. Raise your hand up. Let me see. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer together. When you pray this prayer, you're going to be asking Jesus to come into your life. You're going to be making Jesus the Lord of your life. And he's going to save you. The Bible says you become a new creation in Christ. All the old things are passed away. And everything will be new. Your sins will be gone, clean slate from this moment on. You'll be able to walk in this life and build a relationship with God, just like we've been talking about today. So let's pray this. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me and you want me to come into a relationship with you. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins and that he rose from the dead. And lives forevermore. I want Jesus in my life. So, Lord, I ask you to come now, to come into my heart, to give me a new life, to give me a new purpose, to give me all that you have for me. I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, to be Lord and Savior of my life right now. And I thank you, Lord, that your word says that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, that I will be saved. So right now I thank you for salvation and that I am saved. I am new. I am cleansed of my sins and I am going to walk with you throughout the rest of my life on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. Well, if you, if you prayed that prayer either here or online, I know you're watching there. Um, if you're here today and you want to just talk to somebody about it, what did I just do? And we have information and things to help you get started. Just to come forward to see Pastor Jeremy, um, or myself. We'll we'll be up here available to talk if you so desire. Thank you all for your attention and time. I hope that you were blessed to hear the Word of God today. Thank you.